Will we visit the desert now, gentlemen? It's getting pretty late, Doctor. Later than you think. You are listening to They Must Be Destroyed on Sight. The following podcast contains adult language, adult situations, and spoilers for the movies discussed occur often. You've been warned. Now, take it away, Dr. Rausch. They must be destroyed on sight. We're back. It is They Must Be Destroyed on Sight, episode 234. And I'm your host, Lee. Enough formic acid in him to kill 20 men, Russell. I am joined that's, that's, by that's a, lot of, that's a lot of formic acid, to be clear. <laughs> it is, it is a you have to be a pretty shit big shit ton. And we are joined by the returning Daniel, an instinct and talent for industry, social organization, and savagery that makes man look feeble by comparison. Harper, how are you doing, sir? And welcome back. I, I, I'm here. We will see how long I stay. It might be uh, three minutes, but, you know, it's a thing. <laughs> also, 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 there's a very uh, ye- yellow peril element to that, which I'm sure we will uh, get into. Mm-hmm. Yep. There's all kinds of 1950-isms in this film. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the it's Korean it. War was happening as this was made. Just to be mm-hmm. clear. Yeah, yeah. And we are also joined by our co-host, Lee. Make me a sergeant in charge of the booze, and I'll enlist Hardy. How are you doing, ma'am? That may be appropriate for tonight. <laughs> I, I had no idea how appropriate it'd be, but this is on her third sangria now. That's uh, very appropriate. Fair. Yeah, no, she, she has she has learned in my absence how to approach a Tambadas episode. Mm-hmm. That's what I've learned. Yeah, well lubricated. Yes, um, socially lubricated. Yeah. So yeah, the, yeah. yeah, the other the other lubrication that's off air. That's for something else. Um, yeah. Multiple kinds of lubrication <laughs> for various purposes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Thing, you know, like. So yeah, uh, we are covering, and this is for Jack Graham because he requested it. Them from 1954. Um, he didn't request the movie. He just requested that I uh, emphasize the exclamation mark every time I say them. Uh, the movie from 1954. But yeah, we're going to be talking some giant ants here in a little bit. But before that, a little bit of housekeeping. I just want to mention that by the time you hear this episode, you should be able to find the first episode of a new podcast endeavor I've gotten into with Gary Hill uh, from Cinema Beef and uh, Cameron Scott from, uh, forgive me, Cameron, I don't remember what your podcast is called. I just met you basically when we started this podcast. So uh, a bit of a dick on that. Fuck me. Um, I'll make it up later, but it's called Last Call at Torchies, and it is covering the filmography of Walter Hill. And so uh, we, we did an episode on Hard Times a week ago or so, and that should be out by the time you hear this, and there should be a link in the show notes, and uh, please check it out. Uh, we had a lot of fun recording, and it should be a fun little project uh, going through Walter Hill's filmography. 
So what I'm warning is I took a few weeks off and you decided to replace me in your uh, social life. I don't blame you. It's mm. fine. Like it's it's completely <laughs> acceptable. You know? I mean, many, many, many years of, you know, hanging out, getting drunk, exploring our sexuality together. And, uh, you know, uh, a few weeks of me being busy with other things. And uh, you just dump me on the curb. Like, it's fine. Like, I get it. Do, you know, do I have to, like, diagnose you guys or something? Just no, no, no. I mean, and, and it's not that serious. I mean, you could you could you could win my love back, Daniel, very easily. I mean, it, it, yeah, it doesn't just, take a lot. Uh, by just having a, a by just <laughs> d- doing well on this podcast. Yeah, you know, yeah. Having so, a unique take on something that is uh, you know, seventy years old. That was, <laughs> you know, right? yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't I don't know if we'll have any unique takes on it, but uh, I don't give a shit. I enjoyed this movie, so I'm gonna enjoy talking about it regardless. Yeah. Does anyone have anything they've watched uh, recently they want to mention? Everything I've watched has been for other podcasts, so I can't talk about it. Not yet. Oh yeah, that, that's right. You're actually doing stuff with Gary Hill as well. Gary Hill's yeah. just like stealing us away at this point. Like uh, our podcast got delayed, but it will oh. be later. So that's why I'm like, I can't talk about it because I want to have my uh, my thoughts and stuff be a surprise. Mm-hmm. I've been watching the boys, the, uh, the oh yeah, the Amazon series. I'm about halfway through season two, and uh, just kind of off and on, and uh, I've been enjoying it, and I. There's a lot that's been said about uh, the boys uh, in public, and mm-hmm. I agree with uh, all of it, good and bad. Like it is, it is kind of you know, it is, it is. A, I have complicated feels about it, uh, but ultimately, I think if you haven't seen it, you probably should. I've heard so, good things. Yeah, yeah no, I watched. It, I watched the first season. I, I watched the first like two episodes, like a lot, like when they first first came out. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of like, eh, you know. And then I saw kind of people talking about the second season and then went back and rewatched everything from the beginning, like with the intention of like, well, the second season, things get more interesting and actually things get really interesting towards the end of the first season. So it really is kind of a, it does take a few episodes to kind of really get into the vibe of it. And you have to accept that literally everyone on screen is an asshole all the time. Like there is no sympathetic character ever. But once you accept that, I think it's I think it's worth a watch. Um, and you know, like uh, I didn't plan to talk about this, which is why I, um, which is why I'm saying these words. But um, yeah, it's good. Mm-hmm. good yeah, watch. Yeah, I, wa- I watched the first season and I liked it, and I was like, yeah, I'll eventually get to the second season at some point. But you know, the second season I think is better. Like what I've seen is better than the first, but it's it's definitely more. It's more overtly political, and it's less. It has less of the kind of exploitation elements, I think, that you got from the first season. Mm-hmm. This is a little bit more kind of. It's doing a slightly different thing. So I'm looking forward to once season three is released, I will probably finish season two and watch season three. You know, yeah. Yeah. So. Um, did you uh, did you ever watch the? Uh, I can't remember if we even talked about this before, but um, did you ever watch the uh, Watchmen uh, series from a couple years back? I has I started it. I watched the first few episodes, and then I <laughs> I kind of like read some plot summaries and watched some mm-hmm. of the like cla- some of the bits on YouTube that you know kind of from Doctor Manhattan, kind of the Doctor Manhattan backstory. Because I didn't really want to watch the whole series. I do intend to go back and rewatch it, but. Like, I was kind of fascinated with, like, how they executed some of that. So I kind of know what 
the story mm-hmm. does, but I haven't actually watched the whole thing, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, I get it. Um, I thought it was pretty good, though. I thought I thought it was... No, it's, it was it's, a... fa- it's fascinating. It's mm-hmm. fascinating stuff. And, and I think The Boys does... It's probably less overtly political and ideological, mm-hmm. but like more interesting in terms of kind of character motivations. I think there's a lot... I think there's a lot kind of buried in it if you want to go look for it. Whereas yeah. I think the Watchmen TV show is more like it has a kind of political statement, but that got kind of filtered through HBO and ultimately it kind of doesn't end on anything particularly interesting. Mm-hmm. Although I think some of the stuff in the Watchmen show is kind of fascinating regardless, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was a, pretty good series overall like yeah so um one of the few like superhero-y things uh right. you know at least in that sort of genre that you know was doing something a bit different and it's, it's, interesting. it's asking questions it, it, it is a like legitimate successor to the watchman comic in the sense mm-hmm. that it isn't trying to just kind of trade on the name and just kind of like retread the same kinds of things it's trying to push forward on those ideas and if it is less than 100% successful, which I think it is, mm-hmm. I think it's 60% successful, it's I'd still so. like better than you had any right to expect it to be. At least, at least they the tried. Of the, yeah, yeah, no. There, there is an attempt to do something new. Yeah. I yeah. Like I, uh, I've been, if we're talking, okay, so just because comic books came up in general, uh, I've actually been watching Sweet Tooth, which I'm really stoked about. Oh yeah, because I uh, read the series like when it first came out. I was obsessed with it. I own all the comic books, so I've been reading, watching Sweet Tooth, and I am so excited about it. It's kind of cool because the the actual TV series relates to the comic books, but it's a different story ish, like same storyline, but how they represent it is different, and I kind of enjoy that. Because it's, I don't want to read something and see it identically made. It's just nice mm-hmm. to see like an adaptation and kind of like with the times as well. Because this was back in 2009 that was written. And now this is like 10 years later. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a little over 10 years later. So it's kind of cool how it's just adapted. Yeah, I heard, I've heard okay. good things about that too. Uh, I was so yeah, excited. I, I, know, I know my wife read the, read the comic and was really excited about it. And I don't think she's seen it yet. Um, but we will uh, hopefully check that out at some point in the near future. I think I'm on the third Unfortun- episode. Fortunately, my other podcast work kind of takes uh, a lot of my TV <laughs> watching time. But- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back after some music and podcast promos. And we're going to talk about them. Elon the warlock. <laughs> There's a show called Movie Melt, and you probably know about it. Uh, and it's once every two... I have no idea how often this is uploaded. <laughs> it's 
and it's a show where a bunch of companeros get together and we play some fun games, trivia mainly. Uh, we talk about new releases. Uh, we have some fun games where we try and guess the title of a movie based on stuff that really probably religious people write on IMDb. <laughs> Yeah, it takes about 20 hours to record. There's always a failure midway through. Uh, and then the highlight of the week of the, of the show is uh, reviewing a movie. Usually it's kind of a interesting, lesser-known cult-type movie, and it's uh, quite enjoyable. It sounds good in theory, yes. <laughs> I might have a listen one day. Ooh. Wow. You ungodly warlock. Daniel's been doing, uh, there was, there was this uh, thing called, I think it was back in the nineties or maybe early two thousands. It was like a traveling, like show, like variety show thingy called puppetry of the penis. He's doing puppetry of the beard right now on, on screen yeah. for us. Yeah. Which is, which is, <laughs> go, go ahead. Lady. I was going to say, this is where I have beard envy. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I, I like make mustaches and stuff with my hair because I got like long hair, but it's not as cool as a beard. Like I just, I fail. Mm. This is I, this I is you a know, couple this, hairs. But... <laughs> this is this is where this is where you pay into the fictional Patreon dollars to see the live cast this, of, of this podcast. The, this the video, which uh, doesn't will never be shared. So mm-hmm. well, that's fine. You know, I was I was playing with my beard because Lady Lee had expressed, "Oh yeah, that's a nice beard," and I was like, kind of doing the beard thing while I listened to the uh, to the ads. So it makes me, yeah. I, I, it just makes me want to touch it more. Like I, just <laughs> <laughs> that that sounds terrible. Anyway, we should probably uh, yeah, we should probably talk about formic acid a little bit more. Did you know that it has uh, two carbons and two oxygens and uh, a number of hydrogens? Three. Uh, I did um, not care. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yes, them from 1954. And we have a trailer that I cut down from three minutes to about, I don't know, a minute and a half or two, something like that. We'll see you right now. I tell you, gentlemen, science has agreed that unless something is done and done quickly, man is the dominant species of life on Earth will be extinct within a year. I 
direction of the President of the United States, stay in your homes, I repeat, stay in your homes. Your personal safety, the safety of the entire city, depends upon your full cooperation with the military authorities. Yes, cities, nations, even civilization itself, threatened with annihilation, because in one moment of history-making violence, nature, mad, rampant, wrought its most awesome creation. But born in that swirling inferno of radioactive dust were things so horrible, so terrifying, so hideous. There is no word to describe them. We may be witnesses to a biblical prophecy come true, and there shall be destruction and darkness come upon creation. And the beast shall reign over the earth. Yes, the earth, the skies above and the seas below, infested by swarms of nightmare creatures, crueler, deadlier than the armored giants of prehistoric eras. Here is a wild, headlong flight into terror as the desert erupts with the grim battle for survival. Here is a fear-frenzied moment of suspense as mankind totters before a thing that multiplies faster than it can be killed. Here is a desperate plunge into the black depths of the earth, where human courage challenges the brute force, the slashing jaws, the poison fangs that guard the subterranean nest where the beast spawns its terrible progeny. I don't believe how much I cut out of that fucking thing. <laughs> I like how they kept the ant sound the whole time. Mm, yeah, I'll get into that. But uh, okay, we're going to look at Them from 1954, Damn. directed by Gordon Douglas. And Gordon Douglas is like a legit great director. Like, yeah, fucking. Worked for like 50 years. Mm hmm. Yeah. Started like he he started as an actor, but he quickly got into writing and directing. Uh, he directed the uh, Little Rascals uh, sh- uh, series of uh, serials. Uh, it was like uh, our gang. It was what it was called before. It was like repackaged as the Little Rascals in the fifties. But he did like from thirty six to thirty eight directing those. He did something called. I, I just want to see this based on the title from nineteen fifty one. I was a communist for the FBI, which just sounds, uh, that's a great title. I'm, I'm guessing that's about 65 minutes long, and it's a pure <laughs> propaganda piece. That's could be. Point. Could be, but I want to watch it. Um, oh, yeah, no, no, I, I agree. I'd, I'd like to watch it, you know. But, yeah. You know. He, did the, he did the remake of Stagecoach from 66, with, in, which is Fair. interesting. He did In Like Flint, uh, one of the uh, James Coburn uh, Flint movies. Yep. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, they Call Me Mr. Tibbs. I, yeah, that's a, that's quite a good movie. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and then he like got he, to yeah, <laughs> like surprising, like some of the stuff yeah. in his. And he ended with Viva Knievel. <laughs> yeah, the, the is, last the last thing in his filmography was uh, you know, the Evil Knievel starring himself docudrama. Mm-hmm, uh, which. You know, you know and it, which should have been a, what a way to end, what a way to end a career ultimately. Yeah, you know. which should have been a pop piece about how great Evil Knievel is, but 
it just showed what a piece of shit Evil Knievel actually was in real life. It's like... <laughs> and then he lived for like another 20 years, I think. From yeah. The, he lived for... He lived till 93. So mm-hmm. it's like, I made 50 movies in 52 years. I'm going to retire. Yeah. And jerk <laughs> off for another yes. 20 years. <laughs> it's, like, and, yeah. it's like, eat shit. Beat that, bitches. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> this is written by uh, Ted Shearderman. Russell S. Hughes, and both of those guys, I looked at their credits, and it's like, a lot of stuff I don't know, but pretty lengthy careers, uh, all the same. Uh, But George Worthing Yates, who is the third person credited here, is big on screenplays, um, a couple story credits, but mostly screenplays, and he did a bunch of these sort of movies. Um, He did, it it came from Beneath the Sea, Earth versus the Flying Saucers, The Amazing Colossal Man. Attack of the Puppet People, War of the Colossal Beast, Frankenstein, nineteen seventy, and the Spider. So he he specialized. Well, well, in this era, you've got basically there's somebody working at the studio who's like Earth versus the Spider. Mm-hmm. Give it to a screenwriter. Give me the story by credit. Congratulations, I have WGA uh, healthcare or whatever. You know, <laughs> like it's it's just kind of you know that's your job is to just kind of go the producer. Put me on this. Yeah. What if the spider attacks the planet? <laughs> get, get some losers to write it. That's that's what I have. And, yeah. Then uh, you get the story by credit. So it goes to Giant spider radiated. We got $50,000. Let's make it happen. <laughs> um, so can we, we can- make can we make the moon out of clay? Is yeah. that something we can do? <laughs> because I think the spider should attack the moon. Yeah, it's, it's our just, it's our big it's our big third act feature. Can it? Do can it. it? Listen, I heard about these spiders called jumping spiders. <laughs> can we make a giant jumping spider that can jump on the fucking moon? And can it look like a giant tarantula because tarantula is <laughs> fucking scary? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, they got fur. It's crazy. So you all you all want to be back, right? That's that's oh, the thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I want you back. Yeah. Um, so this, we got this banter between you two doesn't happen between Lee and I. So mm. <laughs> yeah, uh, we we get we we got quite the fucking cast here, by the way. Um, oh so, yeah, no, it's an astonishing cast. Yeah. So we got James Whitmore as Sergeant Ben Peterson. You guys out there listening probably know him best as the old man prisoner in Shawshank Redemption who hangs himself when he gets released from prison storied career as like sort of the character actor like one of the most interesting faces in Hollywood I I think like very stuff it's I funny know that even in like 1954 he was middle aged yeah he's 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 always, always had that face right um yeah, like yeah. I I know him from the asphalt jungle Oklahoma yep. Uh, mm-hmm. Just he just did a ton of shit. You, like you see him, you know him. We got Edmund Gwynn as Doctor Harold Medford, and most people will know him as Chris Kringle from Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street. Uh, I think one of the trivia things is like at this point in his career, he was almost crippled by arthritis, and you can kind of see it a little bit in his performance, where sometimes when he's moving around, but apparently, like just. One of those guys who could just work through it when he was when he's actually you know acting and, and doing his job and also just you know big career on this guy. Uh, we have Joan Weldon is uh, Doctor Patricia Medford. 
Um, she actually just died this year, past February. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Although she stopped acting in 1958, from what I uh, learned from looking at Wikipedia, so mm. she had a five-year career. Yep. Uh, purposely, she did like in five years, she made about 25 movies, and then retired, and then uh, died this year, which uh, tells you everything you know about how actresses were treated in Hollywood at this time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, she. She's uh, great. She's great. You know, yeah, no, yeah, her career ended basically when the studio system was kind of dying, kind of thing. Like her contract basically just just got cut, and that was it. Like I think she did some Broadway or like some sort of stage stuff afterwards for a little while, but for the most part, like that was it. She just got married, and that was that kind of thing, which is a shame because she's really good. James Arness as Robert and, Graham, and, and also and also very attractive, just very, you know, very you know, fucking attractive. The the fucking the fucking. Suit I, do, I don't like to talk about those things on this podcast, you know. But you know, <laughs> never. I, 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 I fucking will. Uh, the, she's a fucking smoke show, man. That that fucking yeah. that fucking suit she wears when she gets off the plane and stuff. Like, yeah. okay, she gets yep. she gets she gets her skirt caught on the uh, on the on the oh, uh, yeah. the ladder coming down. Yeah. They're like, no, no, it's fine. It's fine. Just keep coming down. It's fine. Don't worry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it shows, shows a little bit more leg than you might think would happen. You know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I just yeah, love yeah. the smiles that all the guys have, like when they mm-hmm. look. It's yeah. Just that, there was no purpose of that part. There literally was no purpose of that part. Just there, there, there was a, there was a purpose. <laughs> yeah. It was like a very was wooden performance. Her. It was a very wooden performance. Is what I'll, yeah, what I'll say. Yeah, exactly. You you get to wooden eh? Yeah, you get. <laughs> All, all, all the dudes watching get to smile with James Whitmore and uh, James Arness. All, all, all the people, all the people who of any gender who may be mm-hmm. attracted to a young woman who is unwillingly exposed by a ladder. And no, I what, feel like that's. No, a, I feel listen, like, you know, listen, 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 Dan. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> We're making this movie for guys and gals, okay? And this is the part where all the guys watching in the theater. I'm going to see a little leg and go, whoopsie-daisy. Oh, my God. Look at that. Whoopsie-daisy. And we also show a lot of leg when we get to the when we get to the ants. Mm-hmm. Six legs per <laughs> ant. And I feel like everybody's going to be happy. Yeah, you look- get a little bit of leg with the girl at the beginning and then six times the leg with the ants. So ultimately, this is kind of like a porno, right? Like, that's yeah. what we're doing here. Yeah. Look, look look at the segmentation of that leg. Yeah. Oh, baby. There, um, were, there were lesbians back then. Lee, what? Saying. What? <laughs> They're crazy. It's hysteria. It's female hysteria. talking again. machine and forced me yeah. to have an orgasm. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about that later. Um. James Arness after after the recording yes yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. uh so we got James Arness as Robert Graham and most people know him as the TV John Wayne basically uh as Matt Dillon in Gunsmoke which ran for 20 fucking years on TV followed by TV movies well into the 90s um he also to, did a to couple- this day to this day the longest running uh TV mm-hmm. series in terms of number of episodes produced Yes. By far. Yeah. Uh, he also did other TV series, How the West Was Won and McLean's Law. Uh, but he's also known as the thing from another world, the titular thing in the thing from another world, the uh, giant walking carrot monster from outer space, basically. Yeah. Ba- basically, he could do an accent for three minutes in a movie in 1954 
mm-hmm. built a career on it. That's that's what mm-hmm. happened. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we got on. He's, so- a, he's, he's he's very good. I'm not. I'm not. I'm, no, no. But it really is like he could do a, like an authentic Texas accent, mm-hmm. and like Walt Disney cast him, and then like somebody else cast him on that, and he was that. That's that's how he made his career. Congratulations. Yeah. Well, I mean, he, and he? also also he got he got like a really good like. Um, John Wayne actually suggested him for Gunsmoke. So, right. you know, he got, he and got, when a John, and when John Wayne is like, yep, well, uh, that guy. Yeah. I know. Uh, he's not racist enough for me, but <laughs> yeah, he's, he, he's, I a, think he'll be good in your role. Well, I'm just saying. Yeah. You know. To to be quite frank with you, Pilgrim, he's a bit of a commie maybe, but, uh, <laughs> As long as you put him on TV and keep him away from my movies, I'm all right with it, Pilgrim. Mm-hmm. Keep uh, him away from the white girls and everything's going to be fine. <laughs> uh, we got Onslow Stevens as Brigadier General Robert O'Brien, Sheen McClory as Major Kibley, uh, Christian Drake as Trooper Ed Blackburn, Sandy Drescher as the Ellison girl, who is great in this. Actually, I should have looked up her. Fo- Why didn't I not look up her more more of her credits and shit? I don't, I don't know. know who is the Ellison girl. That's the little girl who goes them. Oh yes, I I just opened up her uh, Wikipedia, so hmm. I will let you know if she did anything else interesting. All right, uh, Mary Ann uh, Hawkinson is Mrs. Lodge. Don Shelton is Trooper Captain uh, Fred Edwards. Uh, Fess Parker who made his career off of being discovered in this movie, basically, uh, as Alan Courtley. He is the uh, crazy uh, pilot who saw the flying ants in, in this movie. But um, Disney picked him up as Davy Crockett on his performance here. And so he made his career as Davy Crockett, did the sort of the, uh, Disney series on Davy Crockett, uh, later did a Daniel Boone series, and um, he was also an old yeller from '57 too. One of one of his big credits, but uh, mm. but he made his he made his basically made his fucking bones here, and Disney picked him up. Uh, then we have Olin Howland as Jensen. He had a pretty long career. Most notable for his last credit, though, he's the old man in the beginning of the Blob from 1958 mm. who gets the Blob on his hand. And gets took to the hospital, kind of thing. So there we go. Did you find anything else on? Uh... She was a child actress in the fifties. There's, an, I mean, you know. So she didn't really go anywhere else after that. Eh? Yeah, I mean, I think she was in the Miracle of Thirty Fourth Street, uh, the nineteen fifty five holiday special version. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, she did some stuff in the in in the fifties, but like, you know, she was done. It doesn't look like there's anything like kind of really obvious that uh, hopefully her hopefully her biography doesn't say like, oh, she died of a drug overdose in 1965. Her, her Wikipedia does not say so. So, OK, uh, good. I can click on the on the IMDb link and uh, you can come back to me here in a few more minutes. So, OK, OK. There's one I also noticed. Uh, Harry Wilson was in Some Like It Hot was also in this movie. Oh, really? Yeah, the guy with the big nose. He was like in it for just a part of it. But yeah, I saw him. I was like, no way. I recognize him mm. in something. He only had that one little stint in the movie. Yeah. Uh, we have a synopsis here from Claudio Carvalho on IMDb. In the New Mexico desert, Police Sergeant Ben Peterson and his partner find a child wandering in the desert. And sooner they discover 
And no sooner that they discovered a giant answer attacking the locals, FBI agent Robert Graham teams up with Ben, and with the support of Dr. Harold Midford and his daughter, Dr. Patricia Pat Midford, they destroy the colony of ants in the middle of the desert. Dr. Harold Midford explains that the atomic testing in 1945 developed the dangerous mutant ants, but they also discover that two queen ants have flown away to Los Angeles and that they are starting a huge colony in the underground of the city. When a mother reports that her two children are missing, the team and the army have to follow, have a lead to follow. Will they arrive in time to save the children and destroy the colony? Hmm. Who knows? We'll see. It's pretty much telling the whole story, but like the last five minutes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the, 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 the answer is the answer is probably not. Uh, honestly, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we kill we killed these ants. Movie over. Um, yeah, no, no, no guarantee anywhere. So, uh, yeah, yeah. If, if, uh, if ants could actually get that big, we'd be fucked. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they're just like, yeah, yeah. We found this this colony, and uh, the movie's over when we kill these, and not like. We have engaged in a systematic uh, destruction of all these ants. It's like, oh, no, we killed these. Uh, movie's over. Like that's yeah. that's that's our plot. You know, it's done. I mean, they, yeah. I'll give I'll give them credit when they get to the end. They kind of hint that, like, well, who knows what else is out there that we're in the atomic age? There could be all kinds <laughs> of mutations. Yeah. Well, that, that that that's a more of a metaphorical thing. It's like you know, like, um. So, uh, from what I can understand, Sandy Desher is still alive. Oh, really? Uh, she is currently seventy five years old. At least I cannot find any reference to her dying. And uh, so, um, yeah. So that's probably a good thing. That means she got out of it early. Because I feel like as oh, a child, no, no, she I get, she, been worse. She got out of it. You know, she was in it for like four years and got out of it and then went on and lived a good life, uh, hypothetically. Yeah, uh, hopefully. You know. Yeah. We wish yeah, you let, the best. Let, let us, you know, you know, uh, fucking uh, let us know, Sandy. Uh, yeah. Come, come, on podcast. Podcast. yeah. <laughs> come on the podcast. Come on the podcast. We want to hear have you. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we know you're listening. So, you know, I mean, what yeah, else yeah. are you doing? You're 75. You, know, you got no life. You know, you know that Sandy Desher listens to every episode. Uh, Absolutely. Big, big fan. Big fan. Yeah, so we'll get into it. So, Daniel, is this your first time watching this? And what's your sort of general thoughts on it? Yeah, uh, first time watch for me. Uh, I watched it this evening. And, uh, you know, it's... I mean, obviously, I know it by reputation. Mm. I know a, a lot about the kind of atomic age, you know, monster films. Uh, this is, you know, a lot of white guys standing around really expensive tables talking <laughs> about how to deal with a crisis, uh, which in the age of coronavirus, uh, despite the fact that here in America, it is uh, coronavirus is, is fading in terms of our, you know, like the mask laws have kind of gone away and everything. Mm-hmm. But there, there is something about like, you know, and we're going to defeat these ants by uh, being smart and using <laughs> force against it. And uh, we're going to keep this secret because people will panic. And uh, there is this sense in which, you know, in 1954, you could kind of go, uh, yeah, we're a secretive group of white boys uh, standing around tables. And we're going to solve this problem. And audiences would just kind of go, yes, that seems very prudent. You should not mm-hmm. inform people because they will be, as opposed to the sort of like post-Nixon, the post-Watergate era in which right. the same thing would imply 
no, this is a conspiracy to destroy the world, which <laughs> kind of always was, but you know, apparently you know, not. It's 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 um, the it's the astronaut meme. You mean this was a conspiracy to destroy the entire world? It always was. Oh, always has been. Always has been. Yeah. yeah. Um. <laughs> obviously, this is a, a an narrative about like I mean, literally, it's like. Well, the first ants were born out of the first nuclear test in 1945. Like this is like this is so overt; it's not even mm-hmm. subtext, right? You know, this, right. Is, this is text. This is about like the fear of nuclear weapons. I believe the first hydrogen bomb had been done just a year earlier in 1953. Sounds um, right. And so, you know, and the, the Soviets uh, got the got the um, a nuclear bomb, the, the uranium bomb, in forty nine. And so, we're talking about the threat of nuclear war. Like this is the yeah. thing that's kind of going on, and we're kind of using that in terms of, you know, ants invading America, and the subtext there is that the metaphor used more in kind of Southeast Asia than in like Russia was uh, that uh, those people. Are ant the, the like they're ant hives living on top of each other like they don't they don't love their freedom the way we do they're just kind mm-hmm. of ants kind of doing their thing and so the giant ants kind of coming in and like destroying America yeah yeah I mean it's again it's not even subtext right you know well then, yeah they the, they, the movie they, ends, they they show like sorry to interrupt but they they show like on 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 that point they show the bigger ants that these nuclear ants are related to you know they're the bigger versions of them we're eating the smaller ants like they they make that like very explicit Uh, yeah right right you know and and uh we end the film on well we just you know we we have defeated these ants but who knows what horrors the nuclear age is going to bring Mm -hmm. and so it is it is all about you know this kind of like fundamental anxiety Right. It is It is yeah. like that's the thing that's kind of been said, but it's filtered through this kind of like, you know, kind of goofy, fun military movie in which, you know, you get to see a bunch of like cool ant effects. So that's what's here. And James Whitmore is good. And, um, you know, the girl is hot. So, you know, that <laughs> <laughs> well, matters. Girl's yeah. hot. Uh, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, Lady Lee, what are your thoughts? I actually had a really hard time focusing watching this movie. Uh, I found it was a very like slow going movie. Mm-hmm. So if there's not a lot of action, I, I have the shortest attention span. Like I managed just to, to watch it. I think the last 20 minutes I fell asleep twice. So I had to rewind it and rewatch it. <laughs> um, it wasn't my kind of movie. Like in particular, I did find it was, uh, it was very slow going. It was very much a, uh, a build up to all the actual climatic uh, situations, and it just took too long to get there for me. What did you think of the effects? Oh, fantastic. <laughs> Actually, it's kind of cool. Okay, so this is one thing I have to appreciate. Anytime I watch older movies, I know it's not as if they can just, hey, cool, let's just CGI a really cool looking uh, ant. So anytime I see these, I do really enjoy uh, how they create these monsters essentially because i know they don't have nearly the technology so the creativity it takes in order to make something like this and you know the camera work the lighting everything just to and the sound effects that they use as well just to kind of create that eeriness i did enjoy like i did think it was really cool and i do appreciate watching these movies that do have that went above and beyond to create something that was like monster and scary i love this fucking film so the thing is people 
these days who maybe are not, you know, have not watched a lot of these like 1950s atomic monster movies. They kind of like have an idea of what these all are. So they're all they're all kind of thinking like, okay, so this is just going to be another cheesy monster movie that people make fun of and shit like that. And that's not really what this is. Like, this is not a happy film. Like, this is there are some really dark undertones in this. We open up with a little girl who's had her entire family killed by giant ants and she's traumatized catatonic. And she's probably going to be just fucked up for the rest of her life. Like she's probably going to grow up to be an alcoholic and die early because she has been fucked up beyond belief by these giant ants tearing into their trailer and killing her mom and dad and her brothers. And she hid in the trailer and survived. But that's it. Like, so like, well, that little girl was in a movie with Jane Russell the year before called the French line and mm-hmm. that movie poster has a bikini line. And so like, I, I kind of oppose any concept <laughs> that this girl had a bad life. Sorry. Serious <laughs> <laughs> um, here. What are you doing? <laughs> but, but, but I, I do, I do normally I'm the one that gets serious. So, mm. you know, I had to, you know, everything Daniel said, there is definitely some overt political stuff here that, you know, is, is is pretty apparent. But the way this movie sort of like ponders the destruction of humanity, basically, it's like, you know, if these queens escape and they make more colonies, they're going to destroy humanity. Of course, yes, that they're they're talking about communists, basically. They're like, you know, right. if, if, if the if this Asian communist menace uh, spreads, we're going to be fucked. Sure. Get it. <laughs> But in the context of this movie, it's pretty dour. It's like we're on the fucking edge. We're gonna be we're gonna be fucked up. And and the movie does not shy away from showing a little bit of gore. Like there's some blood in this film. There there's a there's an ant that shows up at one point with a like it's dumping bones into the charnel pit of its victims that they've been going through basically like we like an entire people. like an entire rib cage just drops <clears throat> off a mandible at some point and yeah. it's like yeah that's for 1954 that's pretty hardcore you know james whitmore dies a terrible death for no reason <laughs> you know like at the end like he's just no, like he i got he... the kids out i got the kids out and then like yeah. mandible tra- tra- that was kind of cool you know? mm-hmm. how to use like the camera space as well so with um, the sound effect that they use mm-hmm. and kind of the way they had. So instead of having the camera just on uh, one of the actors, anytime any of the ants came in, they always left like the camera space so that you knew the spider was going to come in and get the or spider. Sorry. The ant was going to come in and get them. <laughs> and that I did think was really cool how they did that. Cause that kind of created that suspense. So you knew it was going to happen. You just didn't know when, and the way they did the camera work uh, created that event that, knew made you know that it was going to happen so i thought that was well, what's cool. what's interesting is i don't even know that that was intentional by the film like we can do death of the author on this and say like it's an effective technique and i agree but like at that point it may very well have been like well we got like one shot at this and so we just aimed the camera in one direction and then um, like, the end comes in you know it is you a know. camera technique that they did um just to create like that anticipation because if you just yeah. have it on the person and you don't have that space, then there's no uh, action that can come forward. So I don't know if how soon this was, but it is a technique that is used in a lot of uh, in a lot of movies. 
I mean, Hitchcock was pioneering those techniques at this point. So, like, it's entirely possible. I mean, mm. this is also, like, three years after, like, Robert Heinlein's The Puppet Masters, which mm-hmm. has – which was a novel, you know, and yeah. it's kind of hard to not think that that wasn't on the minds of the people that made this because, you know, despite the fact that this is a very different kind of thing, the tone is very similar. It's not yeah. hard to imagine a 1954 movie version of the Puppet Masters. It looks very much like this, you know, in some ways. Yeah, yeah. But going off what Lady Lee's saying about, you know, how they're like building suspense and they're in there and the way they're doing things on camera. You know, so this movie notoriously there's there's never been like as far as I can see in my research, there's never been an official budget given for it. But apparently it went it, it had a much higher budget when they were originally going to do it. Um, and then it got slashed big time. And so they were, they were working on a much meager, much more meager budget, but they're like making the most of it. I feel like well, everybody do like a full color 3d yes. version. Right? Yeah. And like, I feel like that version would not have aged as well. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like if we had gotten the bigger budget version with the 3d, it would almost it would almost look more like the sort of like the parody versions or sort of the cheap schlocko mm-hmm. versions. Whereas the black and white version that we have now, like it looks great. Like it looks I mean, it looks like a special effect, but it looks fine. Like it it's the uh, yeah, yeah, the only the only remnant we have of them originally wanting to shoot in color is that the title is in color when it comes on the right. screen, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um but so I have no doubt that everybody on this was like actually super dedicated and making this really good because the way it opens, it opens with a bit of a mystery. Okay. You're going into it. You already know it's about giant ants because the fucking ads for it spoil that shit. Right. But they start as a police procedural and it's pretty well done. You know, it's bare bones, but it's pretty well done. Quickly switches to horror becomes a procedural again, becomes a lot of men in offices talking about shit. Uh, ends as an action film but all through that they're building atmosphere and i think the script is really good like the characters aren't saying stupid shit it's sure there's bunk science in it that's fine you, you kind of expect that i mean you're talking about giant ants and giant ants can't exist because they can't actually you know it's just like giant spiders they can't they can't support yeah, no, the no. weight right? this is you know? physically impossible yes yeah yeah uh, you know. The way they present it, though, it's like they give you enough actual facts about ants and stuff to make it that feel so plausible. <laughs> yeah, I enjoyed that. Part. Like, like, let's let's that let's, part. let's let's spend ten minutes at the forty-eight minute mark. Like I noted <laughs> this right because, like, normally in one of these things, it's like okay, you get a couple of deaths, then you bring on the scientist who's going to go. Yes, I will go give the lecture to the military men who are not going to listen to me. And then you get the sort of like, and this is how ants work, and this is how anthills work. And instead you get like a whole first act, and then you get that thing, mm-hmm. which uh, it works in the movie. I think it I think it works, but also like it does it does kind of feel like, you know, this this was not <laughs> this didn't go through like the Sid Field like three act structure workshop. Mm-hmm. Um, for, for obvious reasons, you know, for that didn't that didn't exist for another thirty five years, of course. But you know, like, <laughs> but you know what I mean. Like the, this, mm-hmm. this was definitely something that like was written. It reminds me a lot of the original uh, Gojira film, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Godzilla. Yeah. Sense of where it's where it's um, 
it's a monster movie that's really trying to get at something interesting and some kind of fundamental kind of problem with society. I mean, you know, 1954 talked about the height of the Eisenhower era. We're talking about kind of the beginning of the military industrial complex. And who knows what the creators were thinking about, like sort of like U.S. coups in Latin America and all that sort of thing. And like kind of United Fruit getting to like kind of just dictate foreign policy or whatever mm-hmm. but there is this kind of omnipresence of the military that that seems kind this, of interesting this here. this yeah. movie is super pro government pro military if this was post you know nixon the cops would not be getting along with the fbi mm-hmm. they definitely right. no, neither one of them would be getting on along with the military everyone would be button heads but everybody in this film is just totally getting along he, you know even the scientists here he's talking to the military guys and the politicians and they're like yeah give us your thoughts like w- what are we going to do here and they're following his fucking suggestions and shit as opposed to well no this is this is bullshit we 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 can't risk this we can't do this you know my constituents are like uh on on this level and we need to think about that and our foreign policy of our neighbors and blah 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 the government the bureaucracy everything works in this movie apparently which is just crazy like <laughs> right crazy <Christ laughs> talk yeah it turns out there's a scientist who knows things and his uh, and his young daughter also mm. knows things. <laughs> and suddenly, <laughs> the military will listen to to both of them. Mm-hmm. Um, listen to a female. Even, <laughs> well, yeah. Well, I mean, even, I mean, she's they'll smart. Take the she's... hot girl down. They'll even take her down with them because the the old man with his uh, pants hiked up to his nipples. <laughs> yeah, he's he's just not going to make it down. Yeah, he's, he's just boring. Uh... Yeah. I thought it was kind of cool, though. There was a few females in there that had higher titles, and I thought that was pretty cool. I know it wasn't as ob- or like in your face in front of you. Like there was the the first I think uh, mentioned her as a doctor at first with a child. Mm-hmm. I know that he ended up solving it, but the fact that there was a female doctor like actually impressed me. To be fair, like a lot of these movies actually is kind of like the period where a lot of these sort of female characters are introduced, usually. In these uh, B-level, you know, atomic monster movies, you get a female character. She's usually anywhere from, like, a well-paid journalist to, like, a scientist or something like that, right? Um, she, she, she's, she's a, you know, she's a pretty girl with a high position mm, who gets a handful a of lines. doing. Yeah, but to, to, to <laughs> be... Gets a, to, who, who gets a handful of lines because, like, ultimately you're trying to sell this to, you know audiences yeah. yeah but i mean the the thing is like i mean not not to diminish it i'm just saying no, no, like, no. that's that's the that's ultimately the function i honestly well, I can appreciate it because like if i was back then and i was somebody who wanted like a female who wanted to believe that there was more than just being a housewife it would be pretty cool to see that like it's just yeah. uh from what i get like my mom uh was born in 1949 and her growing up just hearing her and uh basically the lack of support she had when she wanted to go to school and when she wanted to do stuff. So to have something as simple as that, I think that is like a pretty big encouragement. Like it's, it's nice to see. Yeah. And so what I really want to like credit this movie for is being kind of an exception to a lot of similar films in the genre. Although they, you know, they'd usually have the female scientist who's like, you know, the plucky sidekick, basically in the movie, the co-star, 
but she has to fall Who in has love. The shorter lab coat than the male. Exactly, yeah. but but she has to fall in love with the strong male lead. In this mm-hmm. movie, she that... carries a clipboard and writes on it occasionally. Yeah, yeah. And looks lovingly at the square-jawed hero. But I mean, in this movie, that there's a little bit of a thing with James Ernest, but it, it's really not. There's no, really not, not anything yeah, no. there. No, so no, it, it's kind yeah. of like a flirting crush, but it's nothing like uh, in your face. I was just, I was expecting uh, more. I was expecting more of it, honestly. I enjoyed yeah. that there wasn't. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was just an. I don't know. It was refreshing. It was nice to see. I, I was expecting him to fill her with his formic acid. If you know, man, you guys and your also, puns. Also, my my mistake. Uh, formic acid only has one carbon, um, so you know. Oh well, shit. Because <laughs> you one know carbon, we all do that. <laughs> one carbon, one oxygen, two hydrogens. Uh, you know, Dude. I I got it. I got it briefly confused in my drunken state with acetic acid, and I understand I'm going to get canceled for this. So you know. <laughs> I mean, we have to re- we have to restart the entire podcast now, Daniel. It's almost yeah. an hour. Garbage. Fuck. <laughs> and also, I I like that uh, you know. The scientist in this, so he's kind of the doddering comic relief to a certain extent, but he's also no bullshit. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the the scene where they either try to communicate over the headsets and the helicopters, and he always he has to say over to end the you know the the switch over to the next person, and he's just like, "What is this bullshit? Why do you keep telling me I have to say over? Like that's it's nonsense. Mm-hmm. Like she knows I'm done with what I have to say." And, <laughs> and James Whitmore's just like, it's the rules. We, we have to, you know, this is what we have to do. Um, he's like, this it's bullshit. Like, he, if it was made in 1980, he'd say, that's bullshit. But also, I love that he's he's a scientist, but he's also incredibly moral in the fact that he knows we need to destroy these fucking giant ant eggs. We can't save one for experiments, guys. You know, military... <laughs> Post Nixon era, who would be like, we need to save these for experiments. <laughs> wink, wink. You know, so he's like, no, destroy them, get them out of or there. Or in or in or in later films, it would be you know, post nineteen eighties, it would be the military saying we need to destroy them all, and then there is a scientist going, we need to save one, mm-hmm. you know, and save it for for posterity. Which actually, it. I would, which actually, I would, I would. I would I would agree that like, I mean I mean if you if you could if you could freeze it and it's not a military oversight on your right you right know, you know there's, no. there's there's a difference between you know like letting scientists like be able to study this and uh, you know give it to the military um, <laughs> there's just like like there is this it's this weird like we're looking back in a time capsule at the time before people were at all critical of like the military. <laughs> yeah, like, we're all working together guys to make a better world. The scientists and the military and like, maybe there are some fucking communists off on the side, but they're mm-hmm. just basically the same as the ants. And yeah, they're, uh, they're, they're not really people. Yeah. The only other thing I really want to mention here is um, I feel like, stuff in this really influenced alien when we when you get down into the uh, egg chamber with the ants that's alien you know they're going through this dark tunnel there's all these eggs over the fucking floor there's stuff moving in the eggs <laughs> they've got a flamethrower <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. yeah so i was like oh shit I, I don't i don't remember ever reading like alien was directly influenced by them but 
I mean, it feels like it was. I mean, I feel I feel like so much stuff was influenced by this that you know it's not necessarily like that anybody had this particular movie in mind as much as like this was kind of the er example that like kind of you know spread along an entire mm-hmm. kind of genre and influenced a lot of stuff. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and also, I, th- we, I think we we mentioned this: uh, the Wilhelm scream. Famously gets used like five or six times in this fucking movie. Right. With, before, long before it was the Wilhelm scream. Yeah, clear. Yeah, yeah. Did Sorry, you know go that, ahead, Lady Lee. Uh, that the sandstorm that you heard, the sound was just kind of on a loop, so it's mm-hmm. the same sandstorm sounds continuously. It never changed, and I just I, that that was one of those moments where you're just listening. You're like, it, it, is it like there's a skip on the record or something? Like it was just, just kind of funny, <laughs> just kind of funny to listen to. Cause all here's, and then it's the same, like, I never, I never later. picked up on that. So, Oh yeah. yeah. It is literally the same, same with like, well, the screams were all the same as we just commented on. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, if you listen to the, the wind in the background, it's literally on the loop every scene. So anytime there's a sandstorm, it's the same thing. And same with like the ants, the, the sounds that they make, that's basically on a loop as well. It doesn't change the, the, um, the rhythm or anything like that. It's just a straight up, like it's the exact same. No. It's like putting a, a CD on repeat on the same song. Just same yeah. thing. Yeah. Just something I noticed. <laughs> just, 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 you just, take, just take your your CD from you know you get you in your new your newly bought CD player and you put for, on your Spin for, Doctor for, CD for, for for the for the kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, the CD is uh, what those of us our age uh, thought was cool. <laughs> Uh, around the time, and at that time, this movie was about as far away as the CD is to your today. You know? Yeah, it's yeah. Kind of you, funny if you think about it, because if I said record, people would understand. But if I said CD, even though CDs are newer, yeah, right, they wouldn't mm-hmm. understand. I just think that's well, because really- the CD, the CD is kind of the dead format, and it kind of brings back the record because the analog format is it has a, a further life under uh, uh, capitalism as a kind of a, a boutique thing. Mm-hmm. As opposed to the CD, which was always just kind of like the compromise, like it was a good quality thing. But ultimately, what you really want is either like full digital transmission or like actual like full on, you know, like analog. You want full on needle, needle hitting yeah. surface. Yeah. Somebody, someone mean- is going to sell. Someone is going to figure out how to sell like Thomas Edison tubes. Wax tubes. albums. Wax tubes. albums. Even cassette tapes made a comeback. So that's kind of yeah. I mean, some bands yeah. still release cassettes at this point. Yeah, it's, so it's very just kind uh, of interesting. Like if you just take what is nostalgic and eventually CDs are going to sell. I, I, I guarantee you, in another in ten years, somebody's going to make CDRs of their albums, mm-hmm. put them out there as like boutique, like thirty dollars a disc projects, um, yep. and uh, it's yeah. going to be terrible. I mean, movie companies are already talking? movie companies are already doing that DVDRs. So I mean, you know, oh, yeah, and the VHS. Yeah, VHS. I mean, VHS is probably last you longer than a fucking DVDR at this point. So I still have my VHS. A DVDR, DVDR, sure. Not 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 like a professional DVD. Yeah, no, DVDRs are like they they break down quick, pretty quick. Yeah. 
Yeah. So them. 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 Uh, final, 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 Exclamation final thoughts, mark. I guess. Like, um, sorry, I, I yeah. wanted to have more to say, but it was good. I enjoyed yeah. it. And it was about uh, it was about the Cold War. And, yeah, uh, that's that's kind of you know James Whitmore is good. Mm-hmm. I wish I wish I liked it more. Again, it's just it's I just have such a short attention span. I had such a hard time staying focused. Uh, the storyline was really cool. Like I said, the the camera work that they did because they didn't have the technology in order to like intrigue you into a lot of scenes. So the way they worked the cameras in order to kind of entice you and to keep you. Well, keep most people intrigued other than this person. Um, <laughs> uh, it was good. It definitely was good. Uh, I, I'm not to put words in your mouth, but I feel like what you're saying is we've seen this all before, which we have, because this was one of the first of a giant genre. You know, if you've seen Sharknado 4, you've seen this movie ultimately, you know, because this movie was one of the progenitors of this and it kind of the fact that we kind of look at it and it kind of seems like dull is a mark of its success in kind of a weird way. It's, it's a cool movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, I was trying to throw you a lifeline there, ladies. And I, yeah, and you, 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 you threw it back at the boat. What are you doing? <laughs> I, fuck the slide preserver. Um, <laughs> Uh, no, I just, I'm just like an adrenaline junkie when it comes to movies. So if it's too slow going for me, I just, I lose focus so quickly. It's not even, I, I, you mentioned it. You said that there's a lot of stuff like it's an iconic movie because they really did a good job at, uh, taking what they had and making something that was very intriguing and stood the test of time as well. Just assholes like me have no attention span. <laughs> so, so scene, yeah. So, so join us next is. week where we start our look at the Fast and Furious franchise. We're so, going to be we're going to be taking a look at the films like of Tarkovsky with Lady Lee. Let's go. Let's like, go. I don't let's go like watch Solaris. I don't like the Fast and Furious. I think it's just yeah. really stupid. Oh, you might, you might, you might like the very first Fast and Furious film that we covered. I watched it. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, are you sure you watched oh. it? The original from the fifties? Oh no, I didn't. Okay. <laughs> Damn it. Never mind. We did an episode. Go listen. Go listen to it. It's it's I'll way back there. Well, <laughs> well the thing the thing is Lee and I went in completely opposite directions because Lee is like, let's watch fast paced racer movies, and I'm like, let's watch the slowest movies in human mm-hmm. history. Yeah, just, yeah. <laughs> um 2001 yeah. A Space Odyssey. We've done it before. We're going to do it for the next four episodes and make Lady Lee sit through it four times. That's yeah. the way we're going to do this. Talking about I the different hate themes. It. Can I just but, say, I did not hate this movie. I, I, I want to make this clear. I think if someone's into this kind of stuff, absolutely watch it. Yeah. Can but, I can I, can I just finish by saying I absolutely loved it way more than Lady Lee did, and it's a Stone Cold classic, and everybody should watch it. So there we go. I think people should yeah. watch it. I do think people should watch it. Right. I agree with that. All right, uh, so a little bit of trivia here. And you only see three giant ants at any one time because they only made three giant ants. And <laughs> you can kind of tell when the final scenes were filmed because, you know, that's when they burnt them with actual flamethrowers. So, you know, they weren't remaking these things. Um, <laughs> it's like, did, did we get all the shots? Yeah, I think we got all the shots. Burn! And they're like, Burn. oh, no, 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 wait, we missed a... Oh, um... Yeah, no, it's all, we got all the shots, apparently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's all done. 
Yeah, it's all done. Yeah. Uh, the the flamethrowers used were actual standard World War II fr- flamethrowers, learned learn, uh, loaned learned loaned by the U.S. Army. Uh, the actors handling the weapons were World War II combat veterans who'd used them in battle. Oh. Um, the sound that the giant ants made as they approached their prey is a recorded chorus of bird-voiced tree frogs of the southeastern U.S. Occasionally, a gray tree frog can be heard on the soundtrack as well, as these species can often be heard together at the same wetland. These distinctive whistling-type sounds were reused in other films in the years that followed, particularly in Mohawk from 1956 and The Black Scorpion from 1957. Which just kind of makes me want to watch those movies to see where this fucking sure yeah pops because up. Those are the kinds of sounds that ants would make if they, you know. And uh, you, you know what? It's like yeah, it's it's total bullshit. But at the same time, it's like it's very effectively. It works. It film. works in the movie. Yeah, yeah it works. In the it's movie, it's yeah. it's creepy as shit because you they heard the sound and you get a shot of James Whitmore like looking off in the distance and his partner looking off and then you get like a shot of the desert and it's like what the fuck's going on out there i do de- i definitely got the sense of like this is a really good doctor who episode was kind of my oh well it's way better than the giant ant doctor who well the doctor well, the uh, giant ants a, in the doctor who episode the, yeah the the doctor who in the in the zarby or uh mm-hmm. the web planet um but uh actually that's kind of brilliant but uh completely misunderstood that <laughs> does not work for modern audiences but that's a topic for another time yeah. Um, Final bit of trivia here. The late Leonard Nimoy has a bit part in the film as an army staff sergeant who reads the news story off a of teletype machine. He's in the, he's in the movie compl- like 30 I, I seconds. Com- I completely missed him. I completely missed him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we have no budget record here, but the box office was $2.2 million alone on rentals to theaters, and you can assume it made way more than that. And, you know, it was a big well, hit for the amount of time that it was for the amount of times it was played on like basic cable back in the day. Like this, this definitely made like a shitload of money for somebody. Right. Yeah. And releases. This is, uh, this seems to be a, a trend here. Uh, when, when I talk about releases, the latest episodes and stuff we've done, it's everywhere. You just, just go, <laughs> just go look for it. You can find it everywhere. Uh, I, I paid, I paid $3 to rent it on uh, YouTube. And mm-hmm. it was it looks great. So uh, it's also there, there's also a version on the Internet Archive, uh, but it's such good quality that the Internet Archive, for some reason, has problems buffering it a little bit. So at least it did for me. Uh, so you got to kind of wait a little bit before you actually push, press play and watch it. But yeah, whatever. Yeah, I was having some issues, too. Hmm. But that's what um, happens when you have internet in Canada, I guess, you know. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's what we Canadians. do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, so next time, tentatively, we're going to have a guest. We're going to have uh, Vaughn. We're going to talk about Jabberwocky, uh, the uh, Terry Gilliam Jabberwocky. So sort of Monty Python adjacent, which uh, should be a lot of fun. Daniel, great to have you back. Where can people find you I'm in here. other places? I have a Twitter Daniel Lee Harper. I have a podcast. I talk about terrible people, Nazis, mostly like uh, intellectual dark web dipshits who are like actively trying to push fascism into the American political scene. That's kind of where I am these days. Although uh, we've got some other stuff kind of going on. 
um, the next episode, which will be released after this one, will be about the uh, current schism of the Southern Baptist Convention and uh, how uh, fascism is insinuating itself even more into that. Um, so, uh, yeah, we talk about terrible, terrible things that nobody wants to know about, and yet people listen for some reason and give me money, which you can as well, patreon.com slash Daniel Harper. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you can find the podcast at I don't speak German dot So yeah, go go cool. listen about things even worse than giant ants. Yeah, yeah, the giant ants are like the fun side. Yeah. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, my podcasting world. Uh, Lee, you have anything you want to plug this week? Or I don't sound nearly exciting. I'm here. Check me out here. We enjoy, where I am. We enjoy that's, it. That's exciting enough. That's yeah. more exciting. There's no fascism. You can follow Lady Lee and not have to learn about Nazis. That's so much I've been, better. I've been, thinking so much about, better. <laughs> I've been thinking about how I should just actually use my uh, Instagram for like actually social media versus just posting pictures of my dog constantly. So. Well, no, your, your, your dog's great, though. You should just do more of that. Yeah, because I sash is cute as fuck. So <laughs> it's just it's just my dog. That's all it is. That's that's all my Instagram. That's all my you dog. need, though. It's fine. <laughs> one of these days, one of these days, I'm gonna like actually be part of like the there, world of what, 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 social media. What, if there's anything, if there's anything I know about uh, social media, it's uh, pets, tits. Or Nazis. It's it's those, those are the three things. I have pets and tits, so yeah. Well, and I have Nazis, so you know. Three in bed, and then well, one of the three. I don't know. Daniel. <laughs> you, you you need to start an Instagram about your tits real quick, and Dan. Uh, like you need to balance well, these things. You know, I'm yeah. wearing a I'm wearing a Mandalorian T-shirt right now, so ah. it's like Baby Yoda. Holding up my man boobs. With with the force, you know, he like closes his eyes and goes like, "Ooh!" And then the man boobs—they just stand up straight, uh, nipples out. And then I get a bunch of Patreon donations. That's the uh, that's the that's the sign. Yeah, man, sex sells, man. Um, Yeah, and uh, if you want to listen to more of this stuff, you can go to tmbdos.podbean.com, or you can find our Apple Podcast, Facebook, YouTube links. Go to the Facebook group, join that. Uh, you can make uh, movie suggestions and stuff like that and interact with us and ask questions and all that good stuff. We encourage all that shit. And until next time, thank you, Daniel. Thank you, Lady Lee. Thank you, the listener. You are truly the flamethrower to all the giant ants in this world. And uh, we'll be back when we're back. Goodbye. You, th- you thoroughly give the oxidation reaction to the formic acid that is the nuclear metaphor. This is why we've missed you. Yeah, right. Thanks. That's why. That's the only reason. The same yeah, reason. yeah, yeah. Thank- thanks, Nerdlinger.
Thank you for listening to They Must Be Destroyed on Site. For further episodes, our Apple Podcasts, Facebook, and YouTube links, please go to tmbdos.podbean.com. Thank you. Drive through.